My name is Dr. Anne, and this is Safe Space, a live forum for courageous discussion of difficult or hidden subjects. Tonight, I'm going to be talking with Sandy Lovell about transparenting, and by that, I mean parenting trans kids. Sandy has worked in the field of sexuality education for over 20 years, but is here tonight as a mother. She's the mom of two children, one of whom is a 29-year-old trans son. Sandy's been working to create support for other trans parents here in Maine. Welcome to Safe Space. Thanks, Anne. It's great to be here. So I'd love to start by asking you to tell me the story about Kai. I have two children. Kai is the youngest, and he was born a female. I was thrilled to have two girls, and I was a good feminist mother and had all kinds of gender-neutral toys and things. And my older daughter, my daughter now, you know, she really went toward the feminine things, even though I really had other things. And um, Kai always gravitated toward other, the boy toys. And he always played with the boys. And he, um, he had the sword and shield and he played with ninja turtles and he had the trucks and he always was the prince when he played with his, you know, a little girlfriend or something. Um, and it just sort of was who he was, and that was completely fine with me. Um, and then he grew up, although I just thought he, I actually thought when he was around four, when he was around four, I have a journal entry just questioning his orientation because he was just, he was just different. There was something different about him. He only wanted to wear black sweatpants or jeans. He didn't want anything pink or tur turquoise. Um, and always had short hair. So um, he, I don't know, you know, all our kids are different. I always thought it was interesting having two children versus one because then you know that your children aren't exactly who they are because of how you're raising them. You have a child? Yes. So, so it's a different, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, well, it, it isn't all because of me because my children were so different. Right. So it's a relief. I know it was <laughs> nice. So Kai grew up and um, continued to just play the boys stuff and but it wasn't it didn't seem that extreme um and there are only things that he's told me since that have helped explain um some of what was going on but he grew up he um when he was about six or seven there were two stories one is that i was shopping with him and actually no the first story is he was talking to my husband um one night and said i'm kind of in the middle daddy aren't i and he said, I, I don't, what do you mean, honey? He said, you know, I'm kind of in the middle. And my husband said, honey, I don't know what, what you mean. And he said, I'm kind of in the middle. I'm not really a girl. I'm not really a boy. I'm kind of in the middle. And so my husband shared that with me. And I just thought that was, you know, we thought, well, he is. He's not, he doesn't fit the gender stereotype of female. He wasn't a little girly girl. And that was fine. Again, we were clueless for the most part. You know, it was sort of like, this is our kid. He is who he is. And he's just not like all the other kids, but nobody is. So, and then another story was when we were, um, Kai and I were shopping and at Levinsky's and when he, he reminded me of this story and I could, I could smell it. I could see it. I know exactly the story he was going to tell me. And we were shopping, which I hated to do. And I said, um, he kept saying, would a boy wear this? Would a boy wear this? Would a boy wear this mom? And I finally said, I don't know. I don't know. You don't want to be a boy. Do you? It breaks my heart now to sort of say that, you know, because um, I thought I was this really totally cool mother. And 
anyway, that, that's a hard that's a hard story for me to remember. Mm. But um, he grew up. He went away to college. Um, he actually in middle school grew his hair long and started wearing um, some different clothes. And uh, oh no, he didn't never really wear different clothes, but he wore his hair long and really, as he says now, he was sort of in drag in middle school, and he you know, I think wanted to just sort of be accepted. Um, Middle school is the prime age for wanting to be accepted. Exactly. So he did that. He was very smart. He's very capable. Um, he seemed to, and he was very happy. And then high school was another thing. And that was fine. And then he went away to college. And this whole, you know, he always appeared very androgynous is the word I would use or very ambiguous. And I, you know, I've done the sexuality work for years and, you know, we talk about all kinds of things and I was very open in talking to him about it. So, you know, are you, what are you thinking about this? Or, and he, he said he doesn't know. So that was back then. But, um, and then we, I used to talk to him about why can't you stay in the, you know, what's wrong with being in the middle? Why can't you be in the middle? I mean, as a parent to even think that my child might do this kind of transition thing when we started sort of talking about it was a little, you know, what parent, it just feels really big. It's too, too big, too drastic. So um, I kept trying to say, you know, but you're so hot. <laughs> you know, you're so great now. Why would you, you know, you're attractive. He's always had these really beautiful girlfriends. And I just thought it was really interesting that he, uh, I just thought, why can't you just stay with the way you are? Because you're so great the way you are. You're so complete the way you are. Who says you have to fit into this box? And um, ah. anyway, he made the decision. Um, I knew he was getting counseling. He moved out to San Francisco, a nice, safe place to be. Um, so we were talking about it, and I knew it was, you know, he was thinking about it. And then he came home for three months in the summer of 2009 because of some housing issues. And it was a perfect time. And he came home and he said, you know, here's where I am. I've been living as a male out in California, and I'm going to ask you to start using male pronouns and call me Kai. His name had been Kyla. And um, I thought, okay, that's a nice sort of safe transition. So we did. And uh, we had a family meeting about it, and we all, like, laughed and and cried and had a good time, and um, <laughs> and we've moved on. And we're, I mean, it's it's hard to tell his story without our, you know, the, all the stories are intertwined as a family, as our friends. Um, it's it's a it's a big story. It's a big story. <laughs> so I don't know if that's too story. much or too little. No, or... it's it really touches me. One of the things I'm struck by is that as a feminist, you so wanted your daughter to be able to explore all these gender expressions, you know, so that. I can so see how, in a way, bringing all, wanting to expand the range of what was gender available mm -hmm. to your daughters, thinking that, that your daughter might be trans was just, like, not on your screen. I mean, like, the pride of having a tomboy daughter as a feminist mother, I can just imagine that. And is there a way that you look back now and think and almost wonder if that sort of delayed your ability to see it or his ability to share it with you? I think it was, I think it might've been his ability to share with us might've been delayed, but it really, trans issues were not on the radar back then. Yeah. I mean, for most of us. And so, you know, that was 20, 
23 years ago or something, 24, 20, you know, it was a long time ago. And, you know, I was, I was doing, I was doing homophobia workshops. I mean, I was really involved and feeling really totally cool. And if I have a lesbian daughter, that's fine with me. But a trans child, that was not anywhere on my radar. Right. It wasn't that you were necessarily close to it. It's just it didn't occur to you. No. Yes. Didn't occur to me. Didn't occur to me. But one of the proudest things, one of the things I am proud of is when the first night when he came home and we'd had this dinner and the two of us were talking after dinner and he told me, you know, he was ready to really make this transition. And I just, you know, as a parent, I'm concerned still. And are you sure about this? And and I said, Kai, I got to tell you, I've been doing lots of reading. Um, you know, I, I know about these issues. And I know there are very young children who say, I'm not a girl, I'm a boy, or I'm not a boy, I'm a girl. And I don't ever remember you saying that, you know, or really acting on that all the time. And he just looked at me and said, Mom, I didn't have to. I mean, I, he actually said this. He said, Mom, I didn't have to. I was raised in a feminist household where you told me I could be whoever I wanted to be. And I was. You know, it didn't matter if I was a daughter or a son. That was all just language. I got to be who I wanted to be, um, which mm-hmm. is, feels really great. But then there's a part of me that wished I did know about the gender piece so I could have assisted with that, facilitated that transition in an easier way. I don't know. You know, I'm struck at the sort of both andness of what you're saying, because I was thinking, you know, every mother I know is ready to take on guilt about something, you know, instantly. (laughs) Like the first sort of instinctive reaction to any child's difficulty is, "Uh what did I do? How did I, you know, how is this my fault? And so I hear that in you, you know, like that wish, like, oh, could I have been more helpful? And yet what you're saying that Kai said to you about, I was able to be myself. I mean, isn't that all of our dream as mother to hear our child say that or to feel like we could foster that for our child? It's, it feels really very wonderful. Exactly. It, it does. It feels great. And yet, obviously, he wasn't able to completely be himself. Yes. For whatever, you know, culturally, the whole. Yes. And do you think, I mean, does he say to you that he really did know that he was actually a boy even that young? Or, I mean, how old was he when he even really came out to himself, as it were? Mm, that's a tricky one. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel that black and white. Exactly. You know, he was living. He was just alive. He was a kid who was playing and having arguments and, you know, <laughs> right. you know fighting with his sister. Actually, they were really pretty good together. But, um... I don't think he, I just think it was him trying to figure out who he was, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, I do know that in in elementary school, when he was in fourth grade, his best friend was a boy, and he always hung out with the boys anyway, but then, and this boy was a year older, so when David went off to middle school and Kai was left back in elementary school, it was a miserable year. He would come home crying and um, or not really come home crying, but would cry sometimes at night or just hated it. And 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 it was he has explained that now that David went off and he had to sort of fit in and try to be and be a girl or the the girls didn't accept him in the same way. And he was weird and he was different. And so that was hard. So I think that's why when he went to middle school, he um, really changed. He tried. And he tried hard to fit in because that fifth grade year was so miserable for him. And what does he say to you now about what his fears were in telling you? Because I know this moment of telling your parents is a very vulnerable, important 
moment and he was preparing for it in a way that you weren't. I don't know. I don't think he had any fears about telling us. I mean, he, he really did have complete faith in our family's ability to completely accept him. I mean, and we did. It just, it's so interesting when, you know, talking to other people and people say, oh, this must be so hard for you. And the truth is, yeah, you know, there are parts that are hard, but mostly it is so totally amazing. And mm. I don't get to talk about this much. So, and it's one of the things I heard from one of the things that came out in the parent group that I um, facilitated at the main Transnet conference a couple of weeks ago. It's how much we love our kids and um, how we want everything for them. And um, it, people were saying it has helped us all, or people were saying individually, you know, um, we see the world differently. We don't see it as black and white. We're things are softer. We're more accepting of differences, of all kinds of differences. We see people as for who they are. You know, there's just something about it's so amazing. And how much all of us as parents of trans kids are learning about life. I sometimes think these folks are on, the, they're just on the cutting edge of, of really living, I mean, of a way to live so authentically you know, we all struggle with that. And to have to make that decision or to know that you have to make that decision to really, it just, there's something so clear about it. You know, I have, I have to do this to really be able to be who I am. And out of that decision just comes this incredible sense of who you are that I just think is incredibly courageous and powerful and empowering. And um, Do you feel like in a way it's invited you to look at ways that you might be more courageous or more expressive of parts of yourself? Certainly. I mean, I, I think, you know, I feel like I've always been trying to do that my whole life. And, um, and Kai knows that. And Kai's part of that. And we do it together. You know, we all are sort of working on it together. And he calls me on things. and But um, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> As any good child should. They, yes. <laughs> So I want to go back a little. So I hear that you just have embraced this and found so much to celebrate about it, which feels so so wonderful to name. And I, I also want to name parts of it that have been hard for you. Um, just because I imagine for other parents in similar situations, it can be hard to find a place to share some of that. You don't want to feel like you're betraying your child, but there are doubts or uncertainties. And I, I wondered if you could also speak to the parts of it that have been challenging for you? Well, okay, I don't want to cry on the radio either. Um, the, it's, you know, people talk about the grieving process, and there, it took me a while because I was so involved in Kai just sort of, you know, wanting to support him and, um, and all of that and making sure things were in place for him. And it was just about, it was over a year that it took me to really feel a different level of grief of losing a daughter. I mean, I'm someone who I was, I grew up with one sister who I adore and good, strong feminist. And I just didn't have, a, I went to an all women's college, you know, I didn't have a male experience and that was actually okay with me. And I was looking forward to having daughters or children, but the daughters thing was really nice. And so having two daughters was fabulous. And I, you know, it's just strange to have to shift in midstream. Um, saying son versus daughter is hard. You know, it's great for Kai to be who he wants to be, 
but I have to now call him my son. And that's really weird. And his sister has to call him, you know, that's a hard one. She's not sure what to call him. And he said, you can call me whatever you want to call me. But, um, you know, those are really funny little losses, like that little shift in um, thinking. So I'm trying to think of what else. That, you right, know, that's you, been you hard. loved him as your daughter. Yeah. You know, he was a great, but he was never going to be a typical daughter anyway. So I love who he is and his energy and his spirit and his creativity. And, you know, he's fabulous. Mostly I'm just glad he really is on his way to being who he is. Very exciting. And you also spoke to me before and I, you know, I, about the part of you that sort of wondered, like, is it really necessary? Like what you were saying, you know, could you be in the middle? You were naming it before, you know, is it really necessary? Yeah. I'd, I'd love to hear the story of your evolution and understanding that. Well, that's still in process. Every now and then, there's still this little doubt creeps in of, you know, are you sure? Or, you know, isn't there some other way you could do this? Or maybe you're making a big decision. I mean, it's just such, it comes in every now and then. But as soon as I, that's usually when I haven't talked to him in a while. When I have a real conversation with him, like I just went out to San Francisco to visit and, you know, one dinner conversation with him and it's all over. I mean, he is, the clarity, I always wish I could, and when we're talking, even on the phone, I'll say, Kai, I wish I could record this conversation because it's so amazing. And there's such clarity. And anyone, including myself, who ever thinks that anyone makes this decision lightly, it's just not the case. This is so well thought out. And then there's a part of me that thought he was transitioning because he had a really close friend who transitioned. Well, he had a really close friend who transitioned because he was drawn to, you know, gender nonconforming people. And um, so I, I, it would have been nice if it were a little different. But um, he's so incredibly articulate. And he has done more thinking about this than I could ever have imagined. And, um, you know, I'm sure every trans person could, could, you know, write, has written essentially a, you know, a doctoral thesis (laughs) in their minds or something in the research they've had to do to really be clear about this. This is not a light decision for people to make. And does it feel like, you know, he's been able, maybe through your reading, you know, certainly in my reading, um, what what has really impressed itself upon me is is the pain of living in the wrong body that that what makes it necessary is just the the enormous difficulty of feeling like you're not in the right person's body and people that that is truly yeah. such a difficult experience which i think isn't something that maybe one can understand intuitively without really seeking to understand that. One of the things he said to me on one of these, I remember it was, it was probably a Christmas vacation or a Thanksgiving vacation. It was dark in the house and we were sitting alone in the living room and, and I'm grilling him about all these things. And um, he said, Mom, I can't ever imagine myself growing old as a woman. I can't imagine myself as an old woman. You know, there was something about, he just couldn't even imagine himself as an old woman. He could see himself as an old man. That's when it struck me that, wow, you know, this is, this is really how he sees himself. Um, so. Mm-hmm. Like it sunk in a notch deeper. Yeah. 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 So, um, and about intimacy and being intimate with a partner and, you know, there's all that sort of like seeing yourself as a male. 
Another parental response that I can imagine is is concern that the you know the world is not so friendly to gender variant or gender nonconforming people. And did you have protective? Oh, of feelings? course. <laughs> um, and you know, also explaining to him, Kai, you've grown up in a really safe family. You've grown up in a really safe community. You know, the Portland community. Now you're moving to San Francisco. Um, it's not always going to be like that, but. He knows that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he knows you that's why he's in that. San Francisco. So, right. um, yeah, and I think uh, it's just reminding me of um, we're all protective. And one of the things that the parents shared um, in this group at the conference, a, th- a new theme from a theme I hadn't really recognized before that kept coming out was um, parents being worried that their children would ever be lovable, that anyone would ever be able to love them. It was interesting. It sort of just came from a couple people. And then, and I thought, wow, the number one thing all, all, all parents say is we want our children to be happy. Um, and then the second theme of we want, we're worried about them making this transition because what if they become more of a, you know, freaky person or something. I mean, that's, uh, that's a term I comes up for me. Oh, no, this is like too, you know, you'll be a freak. It's not like that at all. It's just, um, I don't know. Well, it's, this feels really important, what you're saying. Like, will someone be attracted to them? Right. Will they pass for their gender that they identify with? Will they get to have a long-term, loving, intimate relationship? These are questions that are under you know if you right. don't know that world one can think oh you my god it. and you want your child to be loved by someone to grow up and you know have a relationship and maybe have a family and do all those other right. things and um so that's a concern you know that sort of comes out for parents um i tried it is making me think of right after kai told us about this and uh the next week i was in the grocery store and uh cuz i'd said to him uh, you know, I'm going to need to, may I talk to people about this? Or I don't want to be hidden about this. This is nothing I'm ashamed of. And I, you know, you don't certainly want to feel any shame about this. And may I share this with other, you know, my friends? And so it was, of course. So, of course, two days later, I'm in the grocery store and run into someone I hadn't seen in years who says, how are the girls? And I said, great. How are your kids? Tell me about your kids first. Because I figure you can't Trump, a trans kid. Yeah, story. it's a showstopper. So, <laughs> right. so you know, but there was something about listening, and that happened on, on a number of occasions in the next few weeks. That I kept hearing parents tell stories about their kids, and you know, parents talk with great pride and also frustration, and all of that comes out. But um, you know, parents are—they're just—they're proud of their kids. They want them to be happy, and they're telling me how their kids are growing up, and they're doing this and that, and it may not be what they expected, but they seem to be happy. And so it just was a great connection for me of, well, and this is what Kai's doing. And he's now living as a male and has changed his name to Kai from Kyla. And it's exactly what he wants to be doing. You know, it's making him happy. It's who he is. You know, we all want our children to grow up and be who they were meant to be. And my son is growing up to be who he's meant to be. And it's really a lovely, incredible thing to watch happen. And so there you are in your first grocery store telling. How did it go? What was the response? Um, people's eyes get big. and um, But I felt like uh, 
and I've continued to do this. It, for me, it's I'm just trying to normalize the conversation. You know, I don't hold back at all. I say it as simply and straightforwardly as possible as that, um, you know, oh, Kyla's, you know, now living as Kai and is living as a male and um, is really happy. Um, started transitioning two years ago and is taking testosterone injections and is just could not be happier. You know, it's very straightforward. This is what my, and he's living in San Francisco and he's doing this work and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's not the mm-hmm. end of the world. It's ju- it's it's equal to anybody else's kid doing something else. Yes, I mean, that's On what some it's... level. I mean, it's not, but it is, you know? Right, you're putting it in the context of a whole other story that people are telling, like they're growing into who they are. They went to law school. They found out that they what they love is environmental law. They're f- fulfilling their passion. Right. It's in some ways in that vein, mm-hmm. although maybe just a little more. Exactly. Even deeper at the level of identity. I want to ask you, I know we don't have a lot more time, but... Um, you said something to me about feeling like he's become, he's really still who he's always been. And I wondered if maybe we could just close on that. How do you experience him as so much the same? Oh, I just came. <laughs> I was just visiting him. Um, some of the frustrating things about him were exactly the same, too. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> You mean he doesn't cure everything? Yeah, no, no. He still drives me crazy in the same exact ways, and I drive him crazy in the same exact ways. Um He's just, he, real. I can't even tell you. He is just exactly who he is. And la- a year ago, we had gone out to visit him. It was the first time we had seen him since he started on testosterone injections. And um, I was sort of waiting. I thought I'd see some really visible change. And it was a little, and there is, you know, he's a little mus- more muscular and bulky, and he's got a little bit of hair growing. But we were walking down the street on one of the last days we were there, and I said, you know, Kai, if you had grown your hair long and were wearing a skirt, I'd be so freaked out, you know. But you are exactly who you've always been. Mm-hmm. His head was pretty much shaved. You know, he had on his jeans hanging down a little bit. And, you know, he just, he acted the same. He was the same. He talked to us the same. He hugged us. The, you know, every, there's nothing. The essence of our children is always, it, it's there. It doesn't go away, you know. <laughs> It feels like that's the perfect note. I wish oh, to stop. Okay. Sandy Lovell, thank you so much for thank being you, my guest on Safe Space. An experience. <laughs> I want to say that if people want to find out more, the maintransnet.org website is a wealth of information. There's incredible resources on their page. Is there any, I should ask you this, is there any particular book or thing that was really helpful to you? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> so everything, you know. Yeah. I mean, there are many resources we have, but that's a great place to start. I want to thank Jen Hodgson for mixing the sound tonight and Maurice Lennon for the starting music. I want to say that we have ventured on a new project of ending with creative music that fits the topic. And Jen has chosen to play Half Jack by the Dresden Dolls tonight, which we'll get to in one moment. I do want to say that there is a, there is a webpage for the, sh- for the site, which is safespaceradio.com. If you want to listen to the whole show or email the contact to a friend or download it through iTunes, I'd like to invite you to do that. We have a Facebook page. also want to invite you to subscribe to it through the, face- through the uh, website. Coming up next is Covering the Bases with Thaddeus.